God, thank you so much for the sisters. And I thank you, Lord, for the hours that she has toiled and the ways that she has said, God, give me a word for these women and, and open up your scriptures to me, help me to understand, and, and that I would speak it with boldness and passion and persuasion, Father, for your glory. And so I pray, God, right now that your Holy Spirit would empower her, speak through her, and, and open up our hearts and our and our ears to be attentive, God. I thank you, and we just anticipate what you're going to do and so that you can receive glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Getting to know me, they're moving stuff out the way. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good. I feel good. All right. Good evening, ladies. Good I'm evening. so excited to be here. Yes. I am. Who's excited? Listen, I know that Erica just prayed, but I want to pray just one more time, please. Um, yes. I, I never ever. I call it holy terror. Um, I have this holy terror when it comes to God's word and I never want to open it up and discuss its mysteries without me coming personally and asking, asking for some, for some guidance. Will you join me? Yes. Abba Daddy, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We are here together for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. And I just want to quickly um, ignite your presence. I don't need to come in it because it's surrounding us. Amen. And I personally just ask for a double portion of your anointing, not for the sake of myself, empty me, Fill me with your presence, but for the sake of my sisters who are in front of me. They are your daughters of Zion. They are your holy priesthood. And your word says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, that we ask and we shall receive. If we seek, we shall find. And if we knock, the door shall be opened unto us. And so I ask, I seek, and I knock right now. Unfold the mysteries that is your rhema on time right now in this very moment word. We are hungry, we are desperate, and we are pressing in, not just to your inner courts, but into your holy of holies, that we would have access in, that we would touch the veil that you tore on that day when you said that you are the last high priest in the order of Miss Shizeldeck. And so we ask you, oh, Heavenly Father, and I speak to the Holy Spirit. Your word says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, that it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit, saith the Lord. And so that your spirit would be released into this atmosphere and that the instruction of your word would be sound and that your revelation would be on time and that clarity would be right now. I come against the enemy quickly right now. I cancel every assignment right now in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood over every single one of my sisters to include myself and I claim your word that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And so the enemy's assignments are crushed and deceased right now and I pray God that as we look into the life of Esther that we would make connections that we would see parallels that we would see that Esther was no different than us and so I ask and I speak to the person of Jesus Jesus that you would 
Come on in this place as you are already here and just spill. Just spill out your presence. Just spill out your presence. Somebody say spill. Somebody say spill. Come on, say it like you mean it. Somebody say spill. Spill out your presence, Jesus. And I just pray all of these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. I pray all of these things. And the daughters of God say, Amen. Lord, have mercy. I must say, I must say, I have been praying for you. I was telling one of the sisters who I just met, Candy, God must really be fond of these women here. How I have labored for you. And so know that you are so dear to God. You are so, God is so in love with you. So much so that I have a special and unique message that I want to share with you today. Day one is called the peril of the pain. Peril by definition is serious and immediate danger. And exposure to danger and to be immediately threatened by something external or internal. I want to open up by saying that Esther is one of the greatest narratives that has been written. I'm an English teacher by day and so I look at story and its elements and the book of Esther is a perfectly crafted story. A good story has an introduction, a rising action, a climactic moment, a falling action where the conflict is resolved and then a resolution. A good story has major characters and minor characters. And a really good story always has to have a conflict. And what we will soon see is a conflict that Esther has to deal with. I want to open up by talking about the book and its characters. Is that okay? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Fifth century Persia is where this book takes place. That's the setting. Author unknown, although many scholars do claim that perhaps Mordecai or Ezra may have penned this book because of their knowledge of the Persian Empire and the Jewish people. It is the only book in the Bible in which God's name is never mentioned aside from Song of Songs. I want that to sink in very quickly. This is the, one of the only books, one of two books in the entire 66 books of the Bible in which God's name is never mentioned. And I found that so intriguing because oftentimes God's absence seems louder than his presence. It's when we think that God is absent, that he is ever so present. Mm, Esther is also one of the only two books that bears the name of a woman. It's only Esther and Ruth that are holding it down. (laughs) And so I took a liking to Esther because she represented the woman. She represented the woman in biblical times where women were not very esteemed. The major theme and the central theme, like any good story, is the providence 
of God. The word providence comes from the Latin providencia, and it means foresight or making provision beforehand. Somebody say foresight. 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 The book of Esther has the providence of God as its major central theme. I'll talk a little bit about the characters. The first major character was King Xerxes. Uh, quite a character was he. Um, he had a bit of an ego, very strong in power, liked to drink. He liked to turn up, I guess, as they say. <laughs> and he did not have an and he did not have a problem picking his women. As a matter of fact, he had plenty to choose from. Esther, whom we will get to know very intimately, plays a very critical role in this narrative. And then there's Mordecai, who is her cousin, taking her in as his own. That's a very important relationship that I'm going to unfold. Persia is a kingdom within Iran, and Iran even to this day, is considered a war zone. Interesting. If God calls you to engage a war zone, would you do it? Those are the questions that we're going to ask ourselves this weekend. And I just got to say, I'm not mad at you. Okay? So just nudge your neighbor and be like, she ain't mad at us. Go ahead. She, she ain't mad at us. She ain't even mad at us. But I got permission from God to go up your street, in the alley, and in your garage. Is that okay? Yes. I'm coming through here. And I see my young people in the back. I'm a high school teacher, so your faces look so familiar. You can call me Miss G. It's okay. I'm going to get to you by the end of the weekend. That's all right. I see you. I see y'all back there. And that's all right. You want to know why? Because God handpicked you for this weekend. Right? You are daughters of Zion. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. You are special. You are unique. You are handcrafted. And don't let anybody tell you different. Okay? So tell, you know, the boys that want to Netflix and chill, tell them that I said, they ain't ready for me. One of them went, I'm telling you. I just told you. Love you. God bless you. Lord, Lord, have mercy. The setting, if we want to go deeper, it was in the citadel of Susa. And interestingly, Susa was the same place where Daniel used to hang. God bless you. And they were, scholars say, contemporaries. Because the Jews, I'm going history now, just let me set the stage. Is that okay? Okay. It's very important that when we look at the word, we have to understand the context and the historical components that go into these stories that go into each chapter. It's very important for you to know the word of God, because I'm going to tell you what, if we don't know the word of God, we're not a threat. If you don't know the word of God, you're not a threat to the enemy. Girl, bye. 
Girl, bye. So we're not talking fluff, we're not talking on the surface, we're going in. Do you understand me? Because I want you to be a threat. I want you to be a threat. I want you to be a threat. And it starts with the comprehension and the understanding of the infallible word of God. And then we can become a threat. As I know all of you already are. Right around this time, there was an exile. So the Jews were in captivity in Babylon under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And once the new king came, he allowed the Jews to leave. But some stayed in Persia to include Mordecai and Esther. So that's very important. Sometimes God leaves us in a place for such a time as this. So we'll get to that very, very soon. This is about five centuries before the birth of Christ, and we need to bookmark that. They also come from the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin were extremely skilled warriors and archers slash slingers. They were known to split hairs and never miss. That's no coincidence. Esther and Mordecai were from the tribe of Benjamin, from the 12 tribes of Israel. These are Jacob's sons. Jesus came from the tribe of who? came from the tribe of Judah. Okay? And so they already came from a warrior tribe. And that was very intentional by God. So we have the main characters that are set on the stage, the protagonists, Mordecai and Esther. The protagonists, I teach this unit in my class uh, room. This is my favorite unit. It's unit two. It's short story fiction. The protagonist is who in the story? The good guy or the bad guy? The good guy, very good. And so by default, the antagonist would be who? The bad guy. So we have King Xerxes kind of plays the role for a second, but then he ends up being on Esther's side. It's Haman, the high-ranking advisor, that becomes the antagonist in this story. And then the minor characters are his administration. Just wanted to set the stage there. So shall we enter? Enter Esther, chapter 1. I'm just going to read a little bit, and then I'm just going to kind of go in and out. I was given a very enormous task to cover 10 chapters of the book of Esther from beginning to end in three sessions. No, I'm good. Trust me. Um, You have no idea. It was like giving birth to a baby up in here. I'm like, Lord. How am I going to do this? And it was just such an adventure, but I'm telling you, the most dangerous prayer that you could ever say to God is yes. And that's my word and my prayer for the year. That's one dangerous word. Mm -hmm. O-M-G. Okay. (laughs) Esther, chapter one. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretched from India to Kush. And at the time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all the nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. I'll pause here. The scene opens with a very elaborate banquet Banquets are very common in the book of Esther, and they represent and symbolize so many things. But there was something about the banquets of Xerxes that really stood out among the rest. 
Just think of going into the White House and looking at the glamour and the grandeur. A theologian by the name of Michael V. Fox from Beth Moore's study of It's Tough Being a Woman, the Book of Esther, says the following. The opening scene is unusually expansive for biblical narrative. Instead of reporting actions and words, the author scans the venue like a cinematographer, moving at a leisurely place and describing in lavish detail what one present in the palace would have witnessed. Mm. Beautiful, extravagant, golden goblets, grandeur, extravaganza, White House, gala, $200 meals, keep going. Mm. This is where we open into the scene and in the first chapter of Esther. For a full 100 and 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and the glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven more days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all of the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver, and it goes on and on and on. Let's go down to, let's see where Vashti comes in. Let's go down to verse 10. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, see, he liked to drink a lot, he commanded the seven eunuchs who had served him all those people, to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. I'll pause here. What the king wanted Vashti to do was to really expose herself in a way that wasn't very ladylike. Kind of wanted to put her out there before all of his boys and as they were drinking wine and, and Vashti wasn't having it. She refused. And then it says this, verse 11, to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became burned with anger. One of my favorite lines that I want to give to you this weekend is that every revolution begins on the heels of resistance. I'll say that again. Every revolution begins on the heels of resistance. Queen Vashti was the first one to resist. And that's something that is extremely, extremely important for us to notice because it was on the heels of her resistance where Esther came in. Let me back up and tell you a little bit about Esther. To know Esther's name, God bless you, to know Esther's name is very important. Esther in the Hebrew is Hadassah. And Hadassah means a myrtle tree. And it is a flowering plant native to the Mediterranean region. The myrtle is known for its leaves, which release their fragrance only when they are crushed. Oh, Listen to that. 
Listen to that. It is only when we are crushed that the fragrance of God comes forth. But she did have a Persian name, and that name is Esther. Esther in the Persian means star. And do you know what I gathered from that? That it is only when we are crushed do we truly begin to shine. And we will see that with Esther. Starting with Vashti's resistance. You know what Vashti's name means? It means beautiful. And even her own beauty couldn't even hold her position. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that tells me? It doesn't matter who's in my seat. They've got to go if that's my destiny. Mm-hmm. They've got to go. It doesn't matter who's in your seats. They have got to move if it has no correlation with the destiny of God. So right away, we enter into an instant conflict. And Esther will soon become part of the solution. I'm unpacking this, I'm unpacking this. I'm unpacking this, so stay with me. According to the law, verse 15, what must be done to Queen Vashti, he asked. She has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken to her. Then Memukan replied in the presence of the kings and the noble, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the people of the providence of King Xerxes. For the queen's conduct, for the queen's conduct and will become known to all the women. And so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought to him, but she did not come. This very day, the Persian and the Median women of nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. So essentially, what had happened there was they were telling the king, look, man, your wife did you very bogus, translation, 21st century, right? Your wife just did you very bogus, and she is the queen, and so as a result, everybody else is going to think that they can disrespect the head of their household, and so let it be known that we need to get rid of Vashti. And what ends up happening is, and I have to paraphrase because there is a lot of ground to cover, an elaborate beauty contest ensues. Insert today for me, interestingly, as I was getting ready, right? <laughs> Look, I, 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 I'm the type where I'm just like, yo, let's just put a ponytail, let's just put a beanie, and let's just go. Like, I'm about groundwork, I'm about sleeping in bunk beds and on the floors and hostels, I'm about, do you know what I'm saying? So makeup and hair doesn't really come that easy to me. So I'm over here in the room struggling with this new brush that I bought, right? This the one that like, is like the hot one, it's like a brush, and I'm over here, and then all the girls just start swarming towards me, and I, I just want to give a shout out to the beauty contest that was me. Like, Limani, thank you for, for working with my hair. And this my new friend, Kate. She did my makeup. She came in. She gave that Kate. She gave me some glow and some toner and some concealer. And I was like, am I? I, I, I was there. And, but it just made me think of what Esther was going to go through with this beautification. 
And so let's see where <laughs> Esther enters because it says in verse 22 of chapter 1, he sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom and to each province in its own script and to each people in their own language proclaiming that every man should be ruler in their own household using their native tongue. And then here comes chapter 2, right? Later, when King Xerxes' fury had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed to her. Then the king's personal attendants had proposed, let a search be made for a beautiful young virgin for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women in the, into the harem and the citadel of Susa. Here is where Esther, Esther comes in. Verse 5, I got to keep it moving. Now, there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, there we go, named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shemai, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive, right, from Judah. Verse 7, Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, I love when my girl enters, enter Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. Let's talk a little bit about this because this is easily glossed over. We need to understand that Esther did not have a good upbringing. We need to understand that Esther had very traumatic experiences that led up to chapter 2. But we so easily gloss over, okay, cool, Esther comes and eventually she saves the day. That's so wonderful. But we need to stop and pause here. Because if anybody knows the soul of a woman, it would be a woman herself. And as a woman looking at the life of another woman, I was able to identify immediately with the traumatic experiences that she went through. First and foremost, she was an orphan. She had no parents. We cannot gloss over that. Case in point, I was on my way over here this afternoon and I get a text from <clears throat> my hero. Her name is Tia Ana and she lives in El Salvador. And she runs a children's home. She takes kids off the streets and prostitutes and drug addicts drop off kids at her doorstep. And right now she's, uh, she has close to 30 children under her care. I met her in 2011, and she has been my spiritual mama ever since. She fasts and prays for me every week, and she has been doing that for years. And she doesn't even have that much food to eat. I keep telling her, Thea, you don't have to fast for me. And she says, but princesa, she calls me princesa. She goes, it's the fasting that breaks the chains. And so I fast for you because I understand that you're a chain breaker. But here's what I wanted to say about an orphan. She sends me a picture of Carlita Sofia, who was a girl that I had fallen in love with, and I was this close to bringing home with me. They put my name as her middle name. She sent me two pictures of her, and her soccer jersey said Sophia on it. I lost my mind in the, in the, in the passenger seat. Everybody's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> Girl, don't mess me up. 
And I saw where she lived and it reminded me, it teleported me back. They live in a very dangerous neighborhood. She has dirt on her face. Scrawny, they don't eat that much, but tortillas and frijoles. And I, I, I was brought back in a very humble place. It's not easy being an orphan. And had Carlita's mother not intercepted me, she threatened me. She said, if you take my child to the States, I will take her back to the streets. And so I had to leave her there. I didn't pursue it. But she reminded me of a young Esther. As I was thinking about my message, and as the text came in, and the voice memos came in, and I said that I was crying in Spanish, and Carlita told me, you don't have to cry. I love you, and God loves you. Timely, right? God is a God of timing. But Esther was an orphan. And not only that, but she was succumbed to the social injustices of that day. She was a Jew, living in an era where Jews were very ostracized and very discriminated against. It's like a present Black Lives Matter movement. It's like a present black and brown discrimination, segregation, and ostracization. That's what Esther was under. She had just come out of exile, of which she decided to stay in Persia. And many would think, get out of your bondage. But sometimes God holds you. He holds you in a place that seems so unimaginable and backwards. But God is a God of the opposite. He is a God of the opposite. And you want to know what else he is? He is the God of your tight places. He is the God of your tight place and my tight place. And Esther had no idea that the providence of God was about to make a way. So she was discriminated against. She was enslaved. She was an orphan. She was alone. The author says nothing about her parents. And I wonder to myself, who were they? Why would they leave her? What happened? Did they die? Did they get taken away? What happened that Esther was left all by herself? Enter Mordecai. When you left, when you are left in a tight place, a Mordecai will rise to the occasion. I want you to think about the Mordecais in your life because God will never leave you stranded. He will rise up people on your behalf to lead you to your destiny. Your spiritual eyes need to be open and you need to discern where the activity of God is taking place. But Esther was a very traumatized little girl. So how could a traumatized little girl end up where she ends up? How can you and I the traumatized little girls inside of us. How can we possibly end up where God wants to take us? And I'm just asking you to trust. If your Mordecai hasn't come yet, he's coming soon. In every good story, there's a conflict. There has to be a problem or else it's not a good story. There has to be a disaster for a deliverer to come. There has to be a setback for an opportunity to emerge. 
There has to be resistance for a revolution to start. And it is on the heels of resistance that, ent that Esther is able to enter the narrative that is the book of Esther. Understand that, that the traumatic experiences in your life were designed to create an opportunity to transition you into another dimension. And I'm just asking you to survive that transition. I just need you to survive. Nudge your neighbor and say, survive that thing. Survive that thing. Survive that thing. I love Mordecai. 2 verse 7, right? He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. And the young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. So as we move forward, right? Esther is able to enter this beauty contest. I have to, I have to just paraphrase this stuff. There's way too much. Esther is able to enter this beauty contest by the by the mere fact that she's beautiful. Yeah. Let's pause on that. Because yeah. as a woman, I, I was analyzing that. Where did, where did the innate beauty come from? I mean, as I learned, makeup can enhance your beauty, right? <laughs> but beauty is innate. Beauty is given to you by God. So could it be that Esther had nothing going for her but the innate beauty of God that was given by God himself. You don't need anything else but what God has given you. You don't need anything more and you don't need anything less. You just need exactly what God has for you. That's all she had. She had no presence. She had no charm. She had no charisma. We don't know anything else except that Esther had beauty going for her in the beginning chapters. See, but then she goes through this process. Somebody say process. process. She goes through the process and then she begins, to she begins to transform. Don't think that you're gonna stay exactly where you're at. Yeah. You have to be willing to deal with the peril of the pain, the pressing, the crushing. See, we want, we want the position, but we don't want the pain. Right? <laughs> We want the platform, but we don't want the trauma to break us and crush us, to change us, to transform us, and to lock us into that new opportunity. All I'm saying is, this weekend, as we continue to unfold the book of Esther, I ask that you respect the crush. Respect the crush. Because it is only under the weight of God's crushing process will we be truly transformed into who he has created us to be. Yeah. Yes. Without which, we are stagnant yes. and we will stay at our level. I don't know about you, but I wanna go to another level. I'm done playing games. I'm yes. done playing wishy-washy. I'm done feeling sorry for myself. I'm done rethinking all of the traumatic experiences that I have gone through. I'm done letting the enemy shame and embarrass me. I'm done with all of that. And if you're with me tonight, if you're with me tonight and ready to break out into a new dimension, then you have to be willing to deal with the crush and the peril of the pain. Preach. 
And if Esther wasn't willing to fall under the weight of that painful process as she enters chapter 2, who knows where the Jews would have been. And the deliverance that came from the mouth and the voice piece of Esther is much more greater than what we would have anticipated. You do not even realize who was on the hinge of her process. You do not know who is hanging onto the hinge of yours. Your deliverance is contingent on the deliverance of so many lives. And the enemy wants to lock you and isolate you and throw you in a closet so that you're not of any use and of any impact to anyone around you. But the devil is a liar and I'm coming to expose all his tactics. He needs to go somewhere today because guess what? He's the one that's going to be embarrassed. He's the one that's going to be shamed. He's the one that's going to be called out. Because in the end, we know who wins. We know who wins. It's you and it's me. Because greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. You are mighty. You are valiant. You are anointed. You have purpose. You have calling. You have gifts. You have talents. You have territory. Listen, I'm at a place where I'm not trying to pray stuff out. I'm trying to pray stuff into the atmosphere and govern the place. Who wants to get to a place in their prayer just like Esther where she's making decrees and it's established? I'm done with the Mickey Mouse stuff. If you want to start a decree and say, let it be so in the name of Jesus, come hang with me because guess what? My reference point, come on. We are more powerful than what we know. We are more powerful than what we know. Young ladies in the past, you're more powerful than what you know. Tap into that. Tap into that. We have the power and the authority to decree and declare. Y'all playing with me, see? Y'all playing with me right now. And this is what I call the glory space. Where Esther is about to enter is what I call the glory space. Because it is in that space where only God will be able to get the credit. Yeah. I look at my life and I said, this is the glory space because only God can do this. Only God can take me from here to there. Only God. Our life experiences and injustices position us. She was a Jewish exile, impoverished young girl and by the way as Mordecai did with Esther it's good that we acknowledge the trauma of other people it's good to acknowledge the deep wounds of the people in our lives and to be a Mordecai to them see we don't know who we're being a Mordecai to because that Mordecai that person that is the Mordecai in that person's life, you just might be helping a world changer. You don't even know who you're coming to help. That person just might be used to change the lives of thousands. And wasn't that the case with Mordecai? Esther acknowledged her traumas, but Mordecai first came to acknowledge them. And that is very important. I think of the revolution, right? Every revolution starts on the heels of resistance. Can I give you some of my favorite revolutions? I look at Moses in the book of Exodus 1271 BC. 
Moses started an incredible revolution when he went to Pharaoh and said, what? Let my people go. That's a revolution. (laughs) I think of Esther, who we're talking about, 483 BC, who intercepts Jewish genocide. And she says, and I'll talk about this in Esther chapter 4, verse 16, and if I perish, Y'all know the word, right? Here's my favorite. Jesus and his 12 misfits slash ragamuffins slash disciples slash us. AD 27-29, he started the revolution and started what we are calling the church. The 12 disciples was the beginning of the church. You guys know that, right? Though they split, Peter kicked it off in the upper room. They were the church and they started the revolution. Mm. I will talk about Jesus a little bit later. Joan of Arc. French hero, resisted against the English with her French army at just 18 years of age, was burned at the stake for her beliefs, putting an end to a hundred year war. 18 years old. Mm. And here's the line, I am not afraid for God is with me. Mm. I was made for this. You guys know that that's that's Joan of Arc, right? I was, look at this, where is it? I was was made for this. I love that little girl. <laughs> Poor thing, they burned her middle. <laughs> Martin Luther, 1517, rejected the Catholic Church view on indulgences, yep. lack of emphasis of sinners saved by grace. He nailed the 95 Thesis to the church doors. And his revolution was, it is not by works, but it is by grace that we have been saved. That was Martin Luther. And out of Martin Luther evolved the Lutheran church and the Lutheran denomination. And then came the Reformation. See, every revolution starts on the heels of resistance. What are you willing to resist against? Because if you're not enraged about something, then you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. There are so many social injustices that are plaguing our world and things that are happening around us that is just not right. That if you and I don't stand up in the face of these injustices and say, my name is in the conversation, I'm throwing my hat in the ring, and if I perish, I perish. And if I go down, I go down, and at least I go down fighting. We cannot live lives of indifference. But first, we got to go through the peril of the pain. I'm I'm taking you somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere. Because we can't get all the way to the end without walking through. Walking through. Walking through. Walking through. Come on, we got to keep walking. Walking through. Come on, walking through. Come on, walking through. Come on, and if I fall, come on, Sonny, come on, come on, come on, just come help me, just come help me, just push me through. Come on, just push me through. Come on, pick me up, come on, come on, pick me up, pick me up. You see, the water cup will come. The water cup will come and pick you up. You ain't gonna sit there and die all by yourself. Tell somebody next to you, I ain't dying today. I'm not dying today. The devil should have just done killed me. I was telling me about it. He should have just sliced me right at my neck, right at the jugular, because now it's on now. It's on now. Martin Luther King, 1954-1968, civil rights movement. Yeah. That was a revolution, that was Yeah. And then the March for Our Lives movement mm-hmm. off the heels of the Parkland Stoneman Douglas school shooting. Mm-hmm. That is 
a revelation, a revelation and a revolution in our lifetime. I will talk about March for Our Lives a little bit later. But from the source of our pain comes the source of our inspiration. The deeper the cut, the more the blood gush, and it won't just be your blood. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives inside and out. See, in order for us to get through the pain, it has to get beyond the surface. And we get very overwhelmed and just thrown back by the bloodshed. But if we could just understand that blood needs to be released for our pain to be set free, then we'll go through the process. I was looking up a medical procedure called bloodletting. And bloodletting was a procedure that doctors would release blood from the body to regulate blood pressure and to remove illnesses from the body. I'll go deeper. Menstruation. Every month, a woman menstruates in preparation to give birth. You see, blood needs to be shed for us to give birth to something. You guys aren't ready for me. You're not, you're not even ready for me. You're not even ready for me. In order for you to give birth, you need to bleed. In order for you to give birth, you need to bleed. And it is by the issues and the traumatic experiences that God permits that will release the right amount of blood. Because what's inside of us, the blood of Jesus. Our blood from our pain mixed with the blood of Christ, what a perfect combination for deliverance, transformation, and elevation. It was on the platform of pain where Esther was promoted. Your pain is intentional. Your experiences are on purpose. I don't know what you have gone through, but I know you've gone through something. And it is in that pain that God will transform. The psalmist said in Psalms 119.71, it was good that I was afflicted. It was good. Christine Kane said, we are designed by God for accomplishment, engineered for success, and endowed with seeds of greatness. Do you know why the enemy is after you? He's not after you, he's after what's inside of you. He's after what's inside of you. He ain't intimidated by us when we worship, when we come together, but when we activate what's inside of us, that's when his hands begin to tremble. When we actually say what we mean and we mean what we say, and when we come together collectively as the body of Christ and stop playing petty games, that's when he gets intimidated. I'm coming through here tonight. I, 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 I already said, I'm not even mad at you. I'm mad at the devil. So I'm just letting you know it's not a projection on you. It's a projection on what he thinks he could do with God's women. We are constantly feeling oppressed, less than, inferior. And I'm here to rip all that off of you tonight. Stand on who you are. Even if you gotta fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Every year when I get in front of my new sophomores, I'm like, oh, here we go. There's more of them than there is of me. I better look like I know what I'm talking about. I better look like I own this place. I better look like I'm the G all year long. I better act like I care to the end of the school year. 
Because by around this time, we're like, mm-hmm, let's just get to finals, because we weren't out. What I'm trying to say is, even if you have to go in with a little bit of trepidation, even if you have to enter with a little uncertainty, nobody needs to know that. Did it say anywhere that Esther came in with trepidation? And as we read through, her hand is pretty steady. Verse 10 in chapter 2. I'm almost done. Esther has not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had, for, had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was doing because she entered. She entered what will be this amazing beauty contest that I'll really talk about tomorrow. But Esther could not, in my discernment, I felt that Esther couldn't move on without addressing some of these things internally. Mm -hmm. And what she had to do wasn't a very easy thing. She had to suppress her Jewish heritage. Mm -hmm. Do you know how routine and ritual the Jews were with their customs and their religious practices? They prayed at certain times. They had Jewish festivals on the Jewish calendar. There were so many things that Esther had to abandon. What is God calling you to abandon in this season? What is he calling you to sacrifice in this season? And what is he calling you to hide for the sake of your transition? Helen Keller who was both blind and deaf, once said, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. It is very important that we don't miss this step because it is in this very place that could stagnate us, that could traumatize us, and freeze us. And the enemy doesn't even need to come in the physical. We freeze ourselves. We creep back. We don't walk through. We fall back. See, but we don't serve a God who's instills fear in us, mm-hmm. but a power and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. You have to understand how important this is to the process. If you don't get through your pain, if you don't identify your pain, mm-hmm. you see pain cannot be used until it's confronted. Unless you identify what has pained you, then that all scripture does not apply to you. Where it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28, all things work for the good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 and he has made all things beautiful in his time. Pain cannot be used lest it's confronted. And I'm going to tell you what, for the sake of this weekend, I put myself on my own assignment. That's when you know you're a teacher, when you assign stuff to yourself. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> so I assigned the decisions of Esther to my life. And I was confronted with things that I didn't even know were there. Mm -hmm. And if we sit and if we listen to God long enough, I'll talk about communication with God. It's not just active speaking, but it's active listening. I'll talk to you about the importance of that. But I realized stuff about myself and, and the person of God was in my conscious and I call them inner conscious conversations and so I was having conversations and God was just in my face. You're territorial, you're assuming, and you're, what? I am not, yes I am. And what God will reveal to you is not going to be pretty at all. But are you willing to confront the frailties of your soul? Are you willing to put a mirror in front of you and say, that's not right? Do you know what I say to God when my life is filled with anxiety and inferiority? I go to Psalms 139, verse 23. Search me, oh God. Search me. And, and know my heart. Test me. And see my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me onto the path of everlasting. If you're not willing to humble yourself and be broken before the presence of God, don't expect a promotion to another level anytime soon. Don't expect a promotion to another level anytime soon. It is when you allow yourself to be broken. It is when you allow the blood to seep through your fingers. It is when you allow yourself to go into the presence of God. As Job said in 13 verse 15, though he slay me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. yes. Somebody say yes. Yes. I will put my hope. God can crush me to the ground because I know enough about his character that he isn't going to leave me that way. He can crush me under the sovereignty of his foot anytime because I know he's coming for me. He won't leave me there in the crushing process. He will soon deliver me. And so we come to the frailties of our heart. And we come to our heart space. We come to our soul space. That inner man. And through the blows of life. I'm really hoping this isn't going to hurt you. When the blows of life take the shape of a hammer. And they come right at your heart space. Come on. 
And guess what's the scary part about it? The sovereignty and the providence of God allows it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. See, nothing falls outside of the mm -hmm. sovereignty of God. That's right. And so if and when you are crushed, it is only because God permitted it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Expect to crush. Mm -hmm. I would love to be a bearer of good news, but let me just tell you, the bad news is only temporary. Mm -hmm. Expect to crush. Yes. Yes. Expect to crush. Mm -hmm. Because that's where God used the raw material. And so when we come, right? We come. And here comes the blows of life, the traumatic experiences that we have. Right? And it just comes and it just oh. and it just comes and it just annihilates and it just smashes everything that we thought was supposed to be. And there's an obliteration, there's an annihilation of what we thought was our lives. And such was the case for Esther. Mm. And here's where the enemy gets us. This ain't gonna change. Mm. You will stay this broken. Mm -hmm. You will stay this destroyed. Mm. Your <coughs> is gone. Mm. Your purpose, obliterated. Your destiny, aborted. Mm. But can I tell you from experience, mm. this is only the beginning. Mm. Mm. This is only the beginning. Mm. Here comes God. Here he comes. Come on. Moving around the broken pieces. Yes. Mm. Picking up our leftovers. Mm. Preserving. Mm. Esther's name in the Hebrew means hidden. God will hide you. And we mistake it for isolation. We mistake it for ostracization. Where my girl's at. Where my friend's at. Where my crew at, mm. where they're yeah, he's hiding you. Colossians says your life is hidden in Christ. Don't misinterpret the activity of God. Mm. It does look like a mess. Mm. He's uprooting you. Mm. He's uprooting you. Many of you in this room, he is uprooting you. I know personally what it feels like to be uprooted from a location and drastically and dramatically relocated into an unknown land. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm walking in. I'm a renegade. I don't even know where I'm going. But you know what? I know who goes before me. I know who goes before me. That's all I need to know, right? Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says what? I know. I don't even need to stop. I don't even need to keep going with that because he knows. And so if he knows the plans that he has for you and I, going to uproot you, whether it be in a mindset or whether it be an actual physical location. Yeah. So don't get comfortable. Mm. <laughs> Please don't get comfortable. You have no clue when God is going to uproot you. Mm. And all I'm asking you is, I need you to survive the transition. Mm. I just need you to survive the transition. God ain't going to leave you there. Yeah. Come on, Mo. Yeah. He's ready. Let's go. He's ready to transition you. Yeah, that's right. Your beauty will be restored. Come on. Your calling will be restored. Yeah. And it doesn't even need to be restored. It's part of your story. Yeah. The broken pieces that was once your life turns into this picture that God will use to paint his glory. Yeah, yeah. 
Beth Moore once said, it is never a waste of time to aspire to God's worth. Mm -hmm. Charles Swindle once said, the invisible God is the invincible God. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. From trauma to transition. Mm. Flowers can survive outside of water. Not for very long, mm. but they can survive. You can survive outside of water. Mm. Not for very long, mm -hmm. but you will survive. Mm. But you have to allow the invisible hand of God to transition you into your destiny. Yes, God. Mm. And if you get that confused, that is a dangerous proposition. Do not get confused from the trauma to the transition. I just need you to go with it. Somebody say, go with it. Go with it. Just go with it. Go with it. Just go with it. God is capable of completely uprooting you from what you have known for years and placing you in an unknown land where all that you are asked to do is take one step in front of the other. One step in front of the other. And what you discern to be God's opportunity, just say yes. Just say yes. I have been saying yes since the beginning of 2018 and I haven't even sat down. The doors keep opening and flying open. I'm over here in that retreat center, then I'm over here with you, and then I might be in Puerto Rico, and then I have no idea where I'm going. But all I know is who goes with me. 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 And that's enough for you to know. That is enough for you to know. And that's why I need you to know the word of God. That's why I need you to put this memory to this scripture to memory. Yeah. I need you to get the word inside of you. Who am I talking to? Who am I here I for? Hear, I hear. Who, who am I here for? Mm. Who, uh, this, this, this kind of message that I'm delivering right now, this is for world changers. Yeah. This yes. is for girls that have, women that have the audacity to stand up against yeah. something and say, I'm about to do something about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sophia. That's right. Is this you tonight? Yes. It has to be. Yes. Mordecai will end up saying, to Esther, if you don't go, deliverance will come from another place. But who knows that you have been put in this position for such a time as this. Yeah. That's a great place for you to give something to God. Yeah. continue our conversation on Esther. And I'll take you through from the banquet to the preparation process. And then on day three, we'll talk about how she walks into her purpose mm. and how the providence of God was so interconnected mm -hmm. to every move that she made. Mm -hmm. It made such a lasting impact. It was or to the generation. Mm. I believe. I believe it. You better own this because I'm believing this for you. I believe that I have enough world changers in this room that will make decisions that are contingent upon the welfare of generations. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Because you got to believe it. Hallelujah. You got to believe that you have the ability to change the world one person at a time. Mother Teresa once said, if you can't feed 100 people, then just feed one. You can't feed one? I can't feed one? Yes, you can. Yeah. 
Who would have thought that a bunch of teenagers can change the world in Parkland, Florida, starting a revolution for gun reform and gun control? Yes. You three, I'm coming for you. You want to know why? Your age group has started a revolution in your lifetime, and I suggest you get connected to it. That's <laughs> right. And you teenagers are unstoppable. I'm behind you. I'm for you. I'm all about you. I'm with them. I'm with them. Forget the adults in this equation. They lost their minds. I'm with the kids. I'm with the kids. I'm with them, man. I'm with them. You've got to be about something. You've got to care enough about something to do something about it. And I'm going to challenge your heart. What are you willing to perish for? What are you willing to sacrifice your time and your resources for? It's got to be bigger than you. It's got to be bigger than you. It's got to scare you. It's got to intimidate you. Because anybody can do a task here and there. But it takes a committed individual to partner in the changing of the world. And I'm telling you once more, as I close tonight, every revolution begins on the heels of resistance. of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of the Hebrews, God of the Gentiles, the God of Esther, the God of us. We come to you right now, hearts wide open. We come to you right now. you're coming for us tonight, Lord. We know that you've got a plan for us, Lord. We know that you did not bring us to this point for us to stay here. And so we ask tonight and on this weekend that you would stir us up, that you would ignite our hearts with a righteous indignation that you would privy us to human suffering, that you would expose our hearts to the injustices this world faces, and that you would give us the Esther courage that we will roll out this weekend, that you would give us the Esther courage that we need to walk into the fullness of our destiny. For you will take care of the broken places. You will take care and manage over our insecurities. 
you will take every piece of the brokenness of our lives and you will reconstruct, rebuild, and refocus a new intention for us. We believe you. We are with you. And we expect for you to do an awesome thing in this place. And we expect that you will use our lives at such a capacity that we will change laws and policy, that we will change decrees, that we will get into the realm of governance and that we will establish things as they are established in heaven. We will establish them on earth. We are not afraid. We were made for this. The enemy needs to be afraid of us because once we transition from trauma to transition, that's when we become a threat. And so we close our eyes and we bow our heads and we ask, Lord, for our assignment. And we ask that you would write the page. We ask that you would construct the narrative. We ask that you would position our Mordecai's. We ask that you would use us, Lord, in a new and in a very scary way. We are called, we are noble, we are beautiful, we are not afraid. And our past will no longer intimidate our future. If there is life, if there is breath still in our lungs, it means we still got a chance, Lord, to get it right. We still got a chance, Lord, to get it right. And your word, your 
You are hidden. 